What up? All right, come on in, guys. Let's get our seats. We're going to get rolling. Welcome, everyone, to the college service. If, uh, if you're interested, I think there's still coffee over there. You can get some. Um, I have mine, uh, so you're welcome to it now, now that I've gotten mine. Um, but we have, if you're interested, we've got a few announcements we're going to say. Um, but if you haven't signed up for the email, it's back there. If you want to get on the Discord, that's back there. And one brief announcement that, it, what do I have here? What's my first thing? Is my name on, I don't know if my name's on there, but okay, that's good. We don't need to, we don't, hey, I'm Noah. Um, we don't need to, uh, we don't have a slide for this, but um, if you're not on the Discord, um, get on the Discord if you're interested in being involved with Ultimate. Ultimate is happening today at 145, right? 145 out here. They want to they want to start playing at two 145 out here on the big field, um, the big open field right by the courtyard here. Um, bring your own water. Um, otherwise, it's going to be a great time. Um, don't have a slide for that, but just remember it's on the Discord as well if you if you haven't been on there. Um, first announcement: today was the bumper crop um, flyer handout. Tomorrow or tomorrow next week will be the the gathering. So if you're able to help with that. Um, meet at the west entrance over there under the little overhang um, where the cars pull in. They'll drop off their stuff and you'll help them move that. I know they do need help with that. So if you can, please do that. You can still make it here for uh, the college ministry service as well. Um, next is the conference. It's in the email, the signups. There are various things you can do. You can go to the conference if you want to go to the conference, get books, stuff like that. The meals are all included with the $25. Um, or if you can and are interested, you can volunteer. I know they need a bunch of help with, um, you know, serving meals, making coffee, uh, tech stuff if you do tech. Also, I think we're still looking for tech people, right? This is just a, a uh, um, projection people. We're looking for people who can click next on slides. So if you can do that, you are needed with ABL. If you can click next on slides, because it's not hard. If I can do it, you can do it. Um, but we need, so we need, uh, they're looking for volunteers as well. Um, and with this, I don't have a slide for it, but we've been announcing it for a while, this day at seminary. Um, so if you're interested in doing that, that's also um, a part of the conference. So um, that's all in our email. Uh, this one, um, I sent it out in the email, and uh, this is our first time announcing it, but we're doing Starlight Bowling this Friday night. Um, it's a little bit short notice, but I know you guys can do it. Bowling, you guys like bowling from what I, from what I can tell. Um, we're gonna be there 10 to midnight, Blacklight Bowling, Buffalo Lanes, High House. We've done this a uh, dozen times. I don't know, we've done it a lot. Um, come, it's $2, $2 cash, and then um, you can bowl as long as you want from 10 to midnight. If you come a little early, you can get your shoes and get onto your lane, and you can actually have the full two hours. Um, the next thing we have is broom ball. Last year, we tried to do broom ball. If you, if you aren't familiar with the uh, this event, we go to the Carrie Ice House up the street on Buck Jones, dressed in a costume, it's a Halloween costume party, and then we play broom ball on ice, which is like hockey, only with brooms or your feet or whatever, um, and we, we throw a bunch of balls out there and we have a lot of fun. Um, costume party, and, if, and the best costume, we're all gonna vote on best costume gets a prize. Um, it's gonna be amazing, but it's TBD, so. And it's going to be TBD until the night. So just bring your A game. Um, and that's going to be the Friday night before um, Halloween, the 29th. And that's it. Um, so go ahead, stand up, and we're going to prepare for worship. Check. Hey. The call to worship this morning comes from Psalm 98, and it says this, O oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous songs and sing praises. Let the seas roar and all that fill it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord.
sheep are king Come let his bow at his feet He has done great things See what our Savior has done See how his love overcomes He has done great things He has done great
place to worship. Lord, you're great. You're merciful. I pray that we would remember that every day, God, that we would cling to your word, God, in fellowship with believers, Lord, um, that we would not just go throughout the week um, thinking about everything but you. Lord, thinking about school, thinking about work and relationships, God, I pray that we would focus on you, Lord, like we sang God, you created us for a specific purpose. I pray that we would just dive into that, Lord, um, and what that might be. God, thank you for bringing everyone here today. Um, thank you for your mercy, God, and your love. It's so great. I pray that we would not take that for granted. It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, well, I forgot the bucket. Again, I don't know that I'll ever remember it, but I'm going to pass this around while I... Um, uh, I want to introduce uh, our speaker for this morning, and uh, for the next couple of weeks, he's going to be with us. There it is. Okay, Mark Sparks. Um, he is a, if you don't know Mark, he's been uh, here for about a year, a little over, um, with the uh, seminary, went through the, the institute program there, now works for the church and is uh, pursuing his MDiv, I believe. Uh, Mark can correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. Um, but I, I'm just really excited for him to be here, and I don't want to steal his thunder about what he's going to be teaching on or anything like that. I'm, I'm just glad to have him. So let's go ahead and welcome Mark. He's going to come down, teach. When he's done, um, we'll break up into our groups and do the discussions like we always do. So welcome, Mark. Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? I like how close you guys are sitting. This is nice. This is engaged. I appreciate it. Um, well, as Noah said, my name is Mark Sparks, and I'm excited to be here with you and to have the opportunity to share God's word with you. Um, I want to first give you a chance to open up uh, your Bibles to the verse that we'll be in today. We'll be in 1 Peter 2, verses 9 through 10. And sorry, i got to make sure I click my slides, too. Okay. So I'll give you a chance. 
If you got your Bible or your phone, get to 1 Peter uh, 2, verses 9 through 10. That's where we'll be camped out most of the day. Uh, I will be going through other scriptures, but I'm, I'm encouraging you, don't try to go and chase those scriptures down uh, as I'm teaching on them. By the time I finish talking about that verse, uh, you won't be there yet. So just stick with me. I'll read through them and make sure that uh, you, you guys get the information. I'll um, also have a slide at the end that has any of the verses that I mentioned uh, throughout the message. Now, before I get into this first message of this series, I want to deliver to you today um, some, some information, um, some kind of precursors to the message uh, before we, we start to dive in. So, so a little bit about myself, like, like Noah said, uh, I'm, I'm pursuing my MDiv at Shepherd's Theological Seminary. Um, I have a wife and three beautiful kids. Uh, uh, my wife is sitting over there with our oldest, Doris. She's four. And then we've got a two-year-old, Jeremiah, and a four-month-old. And so I'm sleep-deprived. Okay, so if I mumble... You guys know why. You can give me a little grace in that. So uh, originally I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado, uh, but I spent the last 10 years uh, in Laramie, Wyoming. And so I am uh, a testament to the fact that Wyoming does exist. I mean, East Coast people don't have to question or guess. Uh, it does exist. I've been there and people do live there, including myself for the last 10 years. So, okay. All right. Enough of that. Uh, I'm going to get into the sermon series today. Um, the sermon series is called The Christian Life, and each thing is going to play off uh, what the Christian life is about. And my goal with this is to help you gain a better understanding of your life as a Christian. And, and, and my hope is that this series will be an exhortation and an encouragement uh, to you to, to serve the Lord with your life in action. Uh, before I start this message, I really want to issue a challenge. Because, um, like I said, I want this to be an exhortation. And it's easy uh, in an exhortation uh, for you to think, man, I really wish Jim was here. He really needs to know how to be a better Christian. Uh, I'm asking you guys to reflect on yourself today, which is hard. Uh, I, you need to reflect on your life and, and, and what God's word has to say for you in your life today. And so you got to get out of the mindset of thinking of others. And you got to look at yourself and say, what does that I have to say mean for your life today? Um, so with that ominous introduction, we're going to get started. The first sermon I'm preaching today is titled... Uh, the Christian life is purposed. So when we start to think about our purpose as Christians, um, I think we uh, can make one of two significant mistakes. Uh, the first mistake I think that we can make is that we can believe that our purpose is somewhere else, right? If we, if we were just able to get that thing, then we'd be able to fulfill our purpose. Okay, and that happens a lot in college. You guys are studying. You guys are going for a certain degree. You're thinking, my purpose is down the road. Once I finish, then I'll be able to fulfill my purpose. That's the first mistake I think we make. Uh, the second uh, mistake that I think we make is that uh, we, we might believe that we have realized our purpose. Maybe you're serving in a ministry role that you feel you've been equipped for. Maybe you feel like uh, you are in that position now, uh, but you've attached that purpose to worldly things. You've attached that purpose to something other than what God has put forth as your purpose in his word. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, these purposes are important. These things you're striving to do to, to serve God's kingdom are important and they are purposeful. Uh, but as Christians, they're not your ultimate purpose. Okay? If you put your purpose in those things, they can be taken away from you. The minute you lose that job, the minute you uh, aren't able to serve as a minister or maybe be a spouse, whatever you feel you're being called to do, uh, when that goes away, your purpose is gone. So you need to attach your ultimate purpose to God's word and what he has purposed in you. Your ultimate purpose is not derived from a worldly function or rule uh, role and your ultimate purpose is not off in the distant future or lurking in your past. Your ultimate purpose as a Christian has already been actualized and you have been called to fulfill your ultimate and most important purpose today in whatever circumstances you are currently in. I don't think you understand how incredibly purposed your life is right now in your life. And so we're going to go to 1 Peter today um, to, to draw out that purpose and understand what our purpose is as Christians, and I ask you to, to turn with me there if you haven't already. Hopefully you guys can see that okay. I try to squeeze it all in there, okay? Um, so, First Peter, uh, I'm going to read this for you real quick. Uh, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So this, these verses can be divided into three different sections. Uh, the first little chunk uh, gives an identity marker for Christians. So it says, uh, you're a chosen race, 
your royal priesthood, your holy nation, your people for God's own possession. Those are your identity markers as a Christian. Next, he moves into uh, the purpose of those identity markers. What is the end of those identity markers? And so it's that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you. And then the last section gives uh, the before and after of those identity markers being given to Christians. It is out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, for you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we're going to be looking at this verse in three different sections, and I'm going to go out of order. And that's going to probably stress someone out here, but I, I promise that it has purpose to it. Uh, we're going to start with the second section here, um, because we want to really understand our purpose and, 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 and what we are called to do or why we have these identity markers. So we have these four different identity markers um, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of God. And so to better understand this purpose, uh, we have to understand what it means to proclaim the excellencies of God, because that is why we have these identity markers. So the word used in the Greek here for proclaim is exangelite. Um, and different translations have trans translated this word differently. So the NASB, the ESV, and the, the, the CSB, uh, they translate this word as proclaim. The NIV also translate this word, translates this word as declare. Um, and so when you look at these words, proclaim and declare, we tend to picture just a mere verbal activity, right? That's kind of the, the connotation that I understand. I'm proclaiming something to you right now. I'm declaring something. It's just a verbal activity. Um, However, contextually, I think it can be shown that a mere verbal activity, uh, telling of God's excellencies, is not the full force of what Peter uh, was hoping to communicate here. I think contextually, Peter is not saying that those four identity markers are given to Christians for the sole purpose of telling of God's excellencies. Uh, these four identity markers are given to Christians so that they can demonstrate God's excellencies. One commentator I looked at noted that uh, Christians should live so that their heavenly father's qualities are evident in their lives. They are to serve as a witness of the glory and grace of God. So our purpose is not strictly to tell of God's excellencies, though that is an important aspect of what we do. And that is built into these identity markers. Um, We're also called to demonstrate God's Excellencies. And we can see this if you go down just a few verses in, in 1 Peter. Um, after giving these identity markers and purpose, Peter exhorts Christians in verse 12. He says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, uh, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So other translations have also translated this word, uh, exangelite, with the, this demonstrative element of showing forth or showing the excellencies of God. Um, I like to think about it, the fact that we as Christians are God's proclamation of his excellence. Not just to proclaim it, but we are, as the church, the proclamation of God's goodness, of God's excellencies. And we see this vocation for Israel in the Old Testament as well. Uh, and these, these terms, these identity markers, are temporarily being reappropriated to the church to serve that same vocation of proclaiming to the world uh, God's excellencies. So with this understanding, we can move forward to look at these four different identity markers and understand how this purpose is fulfilled uh, in these four different identity markers. Um, and so these four, these four identity markers are, uh, are, are wrapped together quite a bit, but I'm going to deal with each of them pretty individually. Uh, so the first one is a ch chosen race. Um, so we can get a better understanding of what it means to be a chosen race by looking at God's first chosen race, which would be Israel. Uh, Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8. It says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the people on earth to be his people, his treasured possession. It was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his heart on earth. Uh, any other people that the Lord set his heart on you and shows you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So being a chosen race means having God's undeserved love set upon your life. He has set that love upon us through Christ, and because he has set his love upon us, he has redeemed us. Understanding that God's choosing of us is an act of setting his love upon us should ultimately lead 
to uh, us extending our love back to God in praise and worship and devotion to reflecting his excellencies to the world. We don't deserve God's love, yet he has set his love upon us. We do not deserve God's favor, yet he has granted us favor. We do not deserve God's mercy, yet he has given us great mercy through the atoning work of Christ. And this understanding of what he has done in choosing us, making us a chosen race, it should cultivate a love and a loyalty to God that is unlike any love and loyalty that this world can even fathom. As a chosen race, our purpose as Christians is to love and worship God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind and to proclaim his excellencies in making us a chosen race to the rest of the world. The next identity marker is a royal priesthood. Um, as a royal priesthood, we find uh, how we show forth the excellencies of God just a few verses up in 1 Peter 2, verse 5. Uh, he says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So in that verse, we see that as a royal priesthood, uh, our purpose as Christians is to offer spiritual sacrifices. But what is a spiritual sacrifice? What does it mean to offer a spiritual sacrifice? So one commentator noted that in this verse, uh, spiritual sacrifices is a likely reference uh, to a holiness of life, life, and he draws a connection uh, to 1 Peter uh, 1, 15 through 16, uh, where it states, But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves. Also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy and holy. Our spiritual sacrifice to God as royal priests involves being holy as God is holy. This includes making offerings of righteousness in our life to God in every area of our life. Hebrews 13, 15 through 16 says, Through him, and this is referring to Christ, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. In our spiritual sacrifices, we are making an offering of God, or an offering to God, with our actions. Romans 12, 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Because of God's mercy, we are to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And we have to understand, in Hebraic thought, this is the, they're not talking about uh, the, the physical body. In Hebraic thought, they're thinking of the entire person. It's not just the body. It is giving over your entire person and life to the purposes of God. You are to offer spiritual sacrifices in every extent of your life. It's not limited to a small checklist of things you've got to do. Your whole life should be given over to God in spiritual service. We make these spiritual sacrifices because of the mercies that we have received and because he is worth it. And he deserves everything we have to give him. He deserves everything we have. He deserves our whole life. In offering spiritual sacrifices to God in every area of our life as a royal priesthood, we proclaim to the world that he is worthy. Next identity marker is a holy nation. So our purpose as a holy nation uh, is to be understood in light of two different components. Okay? Uh, the first, the, the, there's two components. There's a positional component and a moral component to being holy. The positional component deals with the idea of being set apart to God and for God. You're set apart unto God. That in your holiness, uh, God has called you as a chosen race to be set apart to him and for his purposes. And the moral component deals with the idea of being pure and separated from all that which is impure. And so we understand how these two components work together. Uh, we understand the antithetical nature of sin to God, okay? Because if we are set apart to God, we are naturally set apart from impurity, okay? Because God is or sin is the antithesis of God. So by nature, being set apart to God requires that someone is set apart from that which is impure. As we have been given this vocation of a holy nation, God has set us apart to himself and is purifying us by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. So when we are set apart from that which is impure, when we are being grown by the power of the Holy Spirit, people take notice. When we are fulfilling this vocation that we have been given, uh, people look at the church and say, that's a peculiar set of people. 
We see this in the early church where they were so dedicated to not engaging in impure pagan rituals and activities that were enmeshed in the Roman culture that the Roman authorities and people began to get suspicious of the Christians. Why aren't they participating in all that we are participating in? Why aren't they worshiping all the gods that we worship? There's something that the, the, the society noticed there was something different about them. And sometimes it's my fear that society doesn't see any different from us. We look just like them in a lot of ways. There's nothing peculiar, holy, or set apart about us. But we have been called as a holy nation to be set apart to God and set apart from impurity. When we are seeking to, to fulfill that vocation of being a holy nation, we proclaim to the world that God is at work here. There should be no other conclusion that an onlooker should be able to come to when they look at the church other than God is at work here. Something special is going on here. That's what it looks like when we're fulfilling our role as a holy nation. The last one is a people for God's own possession. Uh, and this is a hard one for us as Christians in the age of independence. We walk as if our life is our own and our life is for us, but this verse stops us and says, no, you're a Christian. And as Christian, you are a people for God's own possession. You're owned by God. You're enslaved to God. He has purchased you with a price to be his possession, and that price was the death of his only son. You are not your own. You are God's possession. And some of you may have a hard time with this. I might get some tensed up feelings inside for you, and uh, I want to encourage you to, to think through us and really understand uh, your difference between your American idea of freedom and your Christian idea of freedom, or what the biblical idea of freedom is. Because the American idea of freedom says that you have been granted freedom to be autonomous, and you get to do whatever you want so long as you aren't breaking the law. You get to rule your own life and your own choices to your own desire. The biblical idea of freedom for the Christian uh, says that you have been granted freedom to be theonomous be governed by God and to do what he desires. He gets to rule over your life and you willingly give up your desires and intentions for his purposes and will. As people for God's own possession, our purpose is to do God's will. God has purchased us through the death of Jesus for his own purposes. In this we rest in the fact that doing his will and his desire is the greatest good that we can do in this world. There's nothing greater. There's no greater task we can do than to do his will in our life. When we are seeking to do his will, we are demonstrating his kindness, his mercy, his love, his compassion, his patience. And we have the opportunity to reflect the greatness of our creator to the world. And I'll say it again. There is no higher task to others than doing the will of God. You guys understand you've been given an ultimate purpose. Your purpose isn't existing somewhere else. You have a purpose right now in your fellowship with each other after this, in how you carry yourself the rest of the day, in how you walk in the rest of the week, and how you engage in classrooms. You have a purpose in everything you do. Our purpose as a chosen race is to praise and worship his name, to proclaim to the world that he is merciful and loving. Our purpose as a royal priesthood is to offer spiritual sacrifices to proclaim to the world that he is worthy. Our purpose as a holy nation is to be set apart and sanctified to proclaim to the world that God is at work. And our purpose as God's own possession is to do his will, to proclaim and extend his greatness, his kindness, his love, and his goodness to the world through our deeds. So we're going to look at the last section of the verse the end of verse 9 and verse 10, uh, to understand why as Christians we should invest in these purposes. Because we find conflict. We know those moments when are we going to do our will? Are we going to do God's will? We know we have a purpose. Maybe you thought to yourself in the past, and I know no one would say this out loud, but maybe you thought to yourself, I put my faith in Christ. My sins have been paid for. I'm going to heaven. What does it matter what I do? Like I said, maybe you don't say that out loud. I couldn't imagine anyone telling me that after the service. Uh, but my concern is that we often live like that, myself included. 
I was talking to someone before this that when I was writing this, I was like, man, I really should listen to what I am saying uh, because I, I, I struggle with this as well. Uh, I think that if this is the case for you, um, as it has been for me many times, I encourage you to take some time to meditate on the end of verse 9 and verse 10 because in these verses, Peter is contrasting the past condition with your present condition. And it is in understanding your past conditions and your present conditions in which uh, your, your, your love for God and your love for the work of Christ is cultivated and that changes your heart towards wanting to do God's purpose. So the first part, God has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Uh, and so uh, throughout these messages, I'm a, I'm a pretty open guy. You're going to get to know some personal things about me, and I'll try to throw some stuff in there. Uh, but I had an after-college conversion. I didn't come to Christ until after I had finished my undergraduate. Um, so I have a very, very distinct memory of what my life was like before Christ. Before Christ. I remember very specifically what it was like in that darkness. I remember the futility. I remember the, the pain and the misery and the, the seeking the world to, to rectify it and finding nothing but emptiness. I remember what that was like. And now that I'm by God's grace in Christ, I can directly contrast the light with the darkness in a very tangible way. Uh, but not all of us have that same experience. Uh, some don't have that vivid memory of the darkness. Some of you might have came to Christ early in life or have never been apart from the church. Uh, if that's the case for you, I think you still need to go and study God's word and understand that contrast. Understand the depths of darkness without God. Okay? Understand the light that you've received and the riches of his glory that you've received in Christ. When you understand this transition from utter darkness to marvelous light, it'll help you understand why God is worthy of your entire life. You were once not a people, and now you are the people of God. Do you understand what you have being a people of God? We've talked about it. You have God's love set upon you. The creator of the universe has set his love upon you. What greater could you ever need? What greater could you ever find? There's nothing greater than what God has given you in making you a people of God. You have an eternal hope, peace, and joy waiting for you and presently with you. And so when you study what it means to be a people of God and you understand the richness of the inheritance that was given to you while you were still rebellious to the one who gave it, again, it's going to lead you to understand the reason why we give our life over, why we take these, this vocation seriously. You once did not have mercy, and now you have received mercy. And so I know I'm going to say this, and I'm going to sound like an old man, but I truly think that we have an entitlement problem. I do. I think we have a cultural entitlement. And I don't think it's just liberals or any political party or any sect of the world. Everyone has an entitlement problem. We believe that we're entitled to happiness and comfort. We believe that we're entitled uh, to respect and loyalty. We believe that we're entitled to good outcomes in our life. But when you reflect on scripture and when we understand our rebellion to God, you can only walk away with understanding that the only thing you are truly entitled to is punishment. The only thing you're entitled to. That's it. When you understand that, you realize that every moment of your life is grace. Every good thing you get to experience is grace. It's not entitled, it is grace. That's the perspective you need to have in understanding your life as you walk around. When you dwell on these things, and you truly understand their depths and their beauty, you will desire to press into your purpose that you have received, and you will desire to seek this ultimate purpose that God has set before us as the church. Your desire to fulfill your, fulfill your purpose can only come from the love of God and for what he has done. So many of you that know me uh, know me from the fact that I work at facilities at the church. I see a lot of familiar faces, some past coworkers, things like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, as I go around the church, I interact with a lot of people, and, and they know I'm in seminaries. So the question I always get asked is, Mark, what are you going to do? When you're done, you know, 10 years from now, what are you going to do when, you, uh, when you're done after this? And, and I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. I don't know if God's going to call me to preach or teach or go back to human services field or to, to do a number of any things. Um, I often tell people that for all I know, I could end up being a janitor at the Shepherd's Church for the rest of my life. And I jest and say that would be okay too. Um, but though I say that jokingly, I, uh, I can also say it with confidence because I know that my life right now has its ultimate purpose. There is no greater purpose waiting for me if I'm called to preach. There is no greater purpose waiting for me if I go on to get a PhD or go on to serve in the mission field. 
uh, the greatest purpose I will ever have in my life, I have already received in Christ. There is nothing greater or more important waiting for us. Your purpose is not waiting for you in the future. Your purpose is not tied up with any worldly measure of stature or success. Your purpose is not derived from your own desires, what your friends think, what skills you have, or what the world says. No, your purpose is derived from him who called you from darkness to his marvelous light, and it is the highest purpose that you will ever have. Do you understand that? Are you hearing me? In your circumstances, you already have your greatest purpose right in front of you. He has called us as a chosen race to proclaim to the world that he is merciful and loving. He has called us to a royal priesthood to proclaim to the world that he is worthy. Uh, he has called us to a holy, as a holy nation to proclaim to the world that he is at work. And he has called us as a people for his own possession to proclaim and extend his greatness, his kindness, his love, and his goodness to the world through our deeds. What would your life look like if you treated every moment you had with the weight and importance that it does have? What would your life look like if you sought to make every moment an opportunity to offer a spiritual sacrifice to God? What would your life look like if you took this Christian vocation seriously? What would you have to let go of? What small sins couldn't you keep? Where would you have to give more of your time, your energy, your money, your heart? What would your life look like if you understood the depth and the riches of the grace and mercy that you have received in being called out of darkness and into God's marvelous light and given a true purpose? If you are in Christ, I want to encourage you to walk according to the purpose that you've been given. If you happen to be here today and you have not put your faith in Christ, and I know we are in a church, but that doesn't mean you've all given your life to Christ. So if you have not put your faith in Christ, uh, it breaks my heart that you are still walking in darkness and you are groping for your purpose. And every time you find what you think might be a purpose for you, you realize it's not as great as you thought it would be, or you get bored with it and you toss it aside to, again, be groping for a new purpose. If you continue in your life apart from Christ, you'll spend your entire life in darkness, searching for a purpose that you will only ever be able to find in God's marvelous light. I encourage you to seek the true light, Jesus Christ, and put your faith in him and be given over to an ultimate purpose that will not fail to satisfy, that will not fade away, and that will not fear to bear fruit. In whatever circumstances you are in, you have received an ultimate purpose. I don't care if you're the top of the class or the bottom of the class. I don't care if you're destined for intellectual and financial greatness or you're barely holding on to the idea of even staying in college. Wherever you are in your life, if you are in Christ, your life already has the greatest purpose. Brothers and sisters, I encourage you to seek to walk in every aspect of your life according to the gracious purposes that you have been given in Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Lord, would we dwell on our purpose as Christians? Would we seek to understand what it is you desire from us, Lord? We can't help but stop to think that uh, we have been given a marvelous grace and a marvelous mercy that we did not deserve a love that we did not and could not earn, Lord, but yet you in your grace and your mercy have bestowed your love upon us. Lord, help us understand the depths of the atoning work of Christ on the cross. Help us to understand how rich your mercy is, Lord, and let that love that we have for what you have done lead us to repentance and lead us to living a life wholly given over for you and for your purposes, seeking to proclaim and demonstrate your excellencies to the world, Lord. That was Christ's purpose, was to demonstrate and to do the will of his Father. And that was it. Lord, I ask that you give us each a heart to uh, desire to do your will and desire to seek your will in all that we do in every area of our life and be willing to give up everything you ask us to for your purposes, Lord. Help us to cling to the cross and help us remember uh, the grace that we receive and let that drive us to further love and fellowship with one another. In Jesus' name I pray. think oh no okay uh so you guys gonna break out for discussion questions uh keep going through okay sorry there you go there's the best this is where you're going uh, i hear there's a card and you know where to go and i just tell you to leave so leave okay <laughs> <laughs>
right, let's stand where we're at um, as we close out this morning with some worship as we sing one more song.